Reminding us of what God is to receive from us, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Christian excellence, giving God all you got, giving God your best. Don't lag in diligence. Live an excellent life. It's once been said, and I think it's true, whatever is worth doing for the Lord in the Lord's service is worth doing with excellence. Whatever we do in word or deed unto the Lord is worth giving God our best. Did he not give his best for you and for me? This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You All that we have comes from God, and as it said, by virtue of God being our Creator, He is worthy of our all, and by His loving redemption of us, He is worthy of our best. Hello and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Today we'll learn more about the way we should conduct our lives in light of who God is. Now with more from Romans chapter 12, here is Pastor Ed. Theology, don't let the word scare you. Theology. You think of that word and you go, oh, I'm not in seminary yet. I'm not interested in theology or I'm not in Bible college or, you know, I'm not really a student. So theology doesn't really apply to me. But let me give you a very simple definition of theology. It simply means the study of God. That's all the word means. And so any one of us, when we crack open our Bibles, when we sit under a Bible study, right now, right here, we are engaged in theology. We are learning about the character and the nature of God. And it's true, good theology will always lead to good behavior, good actions. Bad theology will lead to bad behavior, bad actions, but good theology, a good understanding of God and His character is going to lead you and I to have a life that reflects that. But let me take it one step further. Let me go one more. Good theology is always going to lead you to Jesus Christ, never ever anywhere else. Good theology is always going to take you to the foot of the cross. It's going to take you to the empty tomb. It's going to take you to the Savior who is alive right now, moving among us by His Holy Spirit. Good theology isn't going to take you to Buddha. Good theology isn't going to take you to Islam. Good theology isn't going to take you to all the things that might substitute for spirituality today. Good theology, a study of God, is going to take you to God. And so we place great emphasis on God's Word because He uses that to lead us. You know, Paul, we could call Paul a theologian, someone who studies God. And every time he wrote a letter, he did the same thing. He split it just about down the middle. First half of his letter, theology, doctrine. Let's learn about God. And we say, Amen. But the second half of his letter, and Romans is no different, the second half of his letters lead us to application. So he says here, here are the facts. This is how you use them. These are the facts about God and how to know God and who God is. Then go do it. It's application time. 
And so from chapter 12 all the way to the end of Romans, we're going to be looking at application, application, application. I want to warn you, I've done it in previous uh, studies, I want to just keep it before you. This section of Romans is going to be a lot about action and doing. And if you're not careful, you might fall into the trap of thinking, well, you know, that's just all they're interested in. Do, 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 do. But we're not just action and all we value because of what you do for the Lord. That's just where we are. We've spent numerous, almost two years, looking at the first 11 chapters of Romans. There's a balance here. And it is important. You and I, we have been saved for good works. Yes. And we're going to look at how Romans plays out in our lives. And so just understand, we're in that section where God has taught us through Paul all these great truths about the Scripture. And then in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, he says, present yourselves to God. And that's the best thing to do when you learn something about God, is to present yourself to Him, a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And after that, from verses 3 through 8, we're going to learn, and we have learned, to present yourself to the church to serve. And we looked at all those spiritual gifts, one by one, gifts that God has given to every believer. Every one of us here as a believer in Jesus Christ has a spiritual gift, a motivational gift that God, He desires for us to use them within the family of God, presenting ourselves to the church to serve, and then presenting ourselves to the world as a light in a very dark place. And what you'll find from verses 9 through the end of chapter 12 and even on into 13 as you see all these presentations that God has for us is you're going to see an overlapping of how you present yourself within the family of God and to the world. It's almost as if God gives us a chance among one another to practice on one another, to learn what love looks like, to learn how to work things through between two believers so that when we go out into the world and we're ministering and serving and working among people that don't know Jesus Christ, we already know what it looks like like for those that do know Jesus Christ and it gives us this heart of compassion and a long suffering toward the lost that we all so desperately need because I'll tell you what that person that's a thorn in your side right now that's an unbeliever God's desire for them is for them to be saved it's not for revenge it's not for you to get your way it's for them to know him personally and then you find out man who was once your enemy is now your closest friend in Christ and so, let's pick up just by way of review from last week, verse 9, all these little exhortations. Let love be without hypocrisy. And we looked at what it was. Paul says, don't be a faker, a poser when it comes to love. Don't try to work it up. Don't make it up. I'm going to be a loving person today. Have you ever tried that? You just wake up, you're so encouraged. Today, Lord's going to be good. I'm going to be the best Christian today. It's just going to be great. As a matter of fact, it is a great day. It's a wonderful day until you put your foot on the floor. And you go, oh, I got to get out of bed, man. I got to interact with other people. And the kids are screaming downstairs and the, all the things that happen that can trip us up. It's not something you can work up. Let your love with be without hypocrisy. Be real. Abhor, or we learned that that word means to hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with a brotherly love. We learned we're in a family. In honor, giving preference to one another. Now, verse 11, not lagging in diligence. Paul is speaking of Christian excellence here. Giving God all you got. Giving God your best. Don't lag in diligence. Live an excellent life. It's once been said, and I think it's true, whatever is worth doing for the Lord in the Lord's service is worth doing with excellence. 
Whatever we do in word or deed unto the Lord is worth giving God our best. Did he not give his best for you and for me? He sealed the deal with his own begotten son, Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, that through his sacrifice for you, you and I, we can have our sins forgiven. Our lives can be flipped right side up turned in such a way where now we are no longer a drain on society, but we are now a help in this dark world. Whatever's worth doing in the Lord's service is worth doing with excellence, with enthusiasm. And that's what he's saying here. Don't lag in diligence. Really, the idea here is of not being lazy when it comes to the things of the Lord, but serving him with intensity, growing in that zeal. Now, I know for some of you, I use that word lazy, you might even be offended. You go, hey, Ed, I'm not a lazy guy. Don't be dropping that word around. I'm not a lazy guy. I get up at the crack of dawn. I've got to take care of this, this, and this, and I've got to go to work, and I'm over here, and the word that doesn't describe me, I'll tell you, it's not lazy. Great. But see, that's not what Paul's saying here. Paul's referring to not lagging in diligence when it comes to the things of the Lord. And you know what? You can be a very diligent person in this world and have zeal and passion for what you do in life and what, you've, what, what God has given you in this world. And you can be passionate and you can be zealous. And at the same time, you can lack diligence when it comes to the things of the Lord. And you know what Paul says? You want to really grow? Don't lag in diligence. Flip over, would you, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let me show you an example of that from Paul to Timothy. Timothy's calling in life was to be a pastor. His calling in life was to read the Bible, to know it, to pray, to serve, to love, to care. He was in the ministry. It's like all of us are in the ministry. But for Peter, he was to, or for, excuse me, for Timothy, Timothy was to know God's word. And so Paul, when he's writing this letter to Timothy, he gives some instruction. It's a good instruction for all of us who name the name of Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, draw your attention to verse 14. That's where we'll start. Paul tells Timothy, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words, no profit to the ruin of their hearers. And then notice verse 15 in the context. He says, be diligent. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Timothy was called to cut a straight path in God's word and to be diligent about it, not to be lazy about it, but to do it with all his heart. He was to study hard for the Lord. He was to pray hard for the Lord. He was to understand God's word well for the Lord. That was his calling. And I think by way of example, by way of application for all of us as believers, be diligent. Don't be lazy in the things of the Lord. Don't be lazy when it comes to your spiritual life. Give passion to the things of the Lord. Now, I recognize and realize that for some of you, you got saved later in life as an older person. Uh, in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, whatever it might be, you got saved later in life, which means that for some of you here, a good chunk of your life was lived for the Lord. And a good chunk of your life before that was lived for the world. And when you lived for the world, maybe you were a partier. And you were known that way, weren't you? You were a partier. And you did whatever it took. You would go wherever you needed to go, you would do, you would sacrifice, you would plan, you would make it happen. Why? Because you were diligent in the things of this world. And maybe it, it has nothing to do with a sinful life. Maybe it's just the diligence that you gave at one point in your career where everything else suffered because you were going for it in your career without any balance, without understanding God's will for your life. And you know what it's like 
to give yourself wholly to something, and that's what Paul is saying here. Be diligent for the things of the Lord. You know, that personality trait that may have gotten us in trouble, because I can speak from experience, that when I was in the world, I just went for it. It just almost destroyed my life completely. And that very thing that was so hurtful and harmful to me and everyone around me, God was able to redeem that personality trait and actually change my heart and my mind so that now going for it in the things of the Lord, not as not hurting people, but helping people, both in my life and all those around me. Don't lag in diligence, church. And then notice back in Romans chapter 12, he says, fervent in spirit. He says, not lagging in diligence, verse 11, then fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Fervency. You can circle that word and you can write next to it, hot or boiling over. That's what the word means. You have a, not a lack in diligence, right? You're just going for it. When I think of diligence, you know, how can we not think of Olympic athletes? It's not too far behind us now that the Olympics were on. And you know, an Olympic athlete would be a good example of someone that's diligent. You know, in other countries, when they see talent in kids as young as five or six, do you know that they'll take those kids from their families, transplant them to the gymnasium where they will grow up and work out every day for the rest of their life? Their parents get visitation rights for some of them. That's all they do. You know, when you and I are sleeping, it doesn't have to be that extreme. But, you know, for any Olympic athlete, they're just, man, I want to be the best. I want to win the gold. And so every thought, every action, every decision is based upon what's going to help them make the best decision to make the best road to get the gold. And they make actually make two decisions, right? A positive decision, what's going to be good to help me get to the goal, and a negative decision, getting rid of everything that's going to hold me back from getting to the, And I think that's so important for us as Christians. What we're living for is far more than some temporary gold medal, as good as that might be. We live for Jesus Christ. Our lives are to be spent for him. And what's at stake here is not winning or losing a race, but what's at stake here is the souls of men and women, boys and girls, in our lives that we touch. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit. I asked you to open a revelation. Would you turn there? Chapter 3, how can we not talk about being hot for the things of the Lord and not think of the church of Laodicea? Some of you may be familiar with the church of Laodicea. It's often referred to as the lukewarm church. So much so that in determining what seven churches to write to, Jesus sends a postcard to Laodicea to rebuke them and call them to repentance for their half-heartedness. And pick up with me, this is Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. It says, To the angel of the church and the Laodiceans, these things write, these things say, the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. And I could wish that you were cold or hot. So the word hot very much follows along the lines of fervency. That's what we're speaking of here. The word is similar, and it means hot, boiling over, full of intensity, full of passion, full of zeal. The church in Laodicea were none of those things. They weren't hot. Or we might, we use a phrase today, on fire for the things of God. That's the picture. Just really going for it, not holding anything back. Laodiceans weren't hot for the things of God. Nor were they cold. You can circle the word cold. It's very simple. It means frozen, frigid. By way of application, we could say that a Christian that's cold, a church that's cold, doesn't really care about the things of God at all. 
they're not really interested. That's not why they gather. A church that's hot and on fire for the things of God, it's all about Jesus. A church that's cold, Jesus is outside knocking. Hey, let me in. You guys are having service, but I'm not there. <laughs> you know, what's going on? And so there are your choices, right? You could be hot, on fire for the things of God. I can be cold and sensitive to the things of God, but there's a third option. For me, I have to turn the page in verse 16. So then, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, those are your choices, Christian. And every one of you is in one of these three categories right now. No escaping it. There's no fourth category. You're hot, on fire for the things of God. You're cold, you're insensitive, frozen, icy cold, frigid in your walk with the Lord, totally turned off to the things of God. Like right now, right? You're just, this is all religious for you. It's all religious ceremony. You're just doing it because you have to do it. Cold. Or the third option is lukewarm. Lukewarm. The idea behind this word is an idea of complacency, half-heartedness, so-so-ness when it comes to the things of the Lord. There are many in the church in Laodicea, like in the church of Jesus Christ today, that are just lukewarm in their lives. Lukewarm. They're not really, really hot, and they're not really, really cold. They're lukewarm. Sometimes we refer to lukewarm believers as fence sitters. They're really indecisive. They really aren't going to make a decision for the Lord. They're not really going to make a decision for the world. As J. Vernon McGee once described it, they got one foot in the boat and one foot in the dock and the boat is sailing away. And they're not really making a decision. They don't fully want to be in one place or the other. They just dabble in the things of God. Another way of looking at lukewarm believers is that not only are they fence sitters, but they tend to look at the church of Jesus Christ in a way that says, what are you going to do for me? It's all about me for those that might be lukewarm. What are you going to do for me? What do you have for me? What do you want? Instead of the idea of God bringing us in, like he said earlier, giving preference to one another in honor, loving each other with brotherly love, being kindly affectionate. For the lukewarm Christian, they blow all that stuff off. And they could take it or leave it. They approach Jesus Christ not for what he has done, but what will he do? I'll take you, Jesus, if things are going well. But trials and tribulations tend to show us the own, our own lukewarmness in our lives. We all get there from time to time. You know the danger with lukewarm? The danger with lukewarm is that lukewarmness tends to take on the temperature of the environment that it's in. I mean, we all had, for those of you that drink coffee, maybe hot tea, you get a, get a hot cup of coffee, you put it on, and unless, you know, like at the restaurants, they keep it hot, they keep it hot. If you let it go, it's going to get to a place where it's lukewarm. And eventually, what that cup of coffee is going to become is a little pond with green things growing. <laughs> you leave it there a long time. No, eventually what it's going to come to is it's going to be the temperature of the room. The hotter the room, the hotter the liquid. The cooler the room, the cooler the liquid. What does that mean for us? Well, let me tell you this. This is what's happening to you right now, whether you realize it or not. Those of you that might be lukewarm, you are taking on the temperature of your environment. And if your environment, which typically it is, if you're a lukewarm Christian, is not one that's spiritual, then you're becoming more unspiritual every day that passes. Like, if you're a lukewarm Christian, you're not strong in the things of God, and you work in a horribly dark place, you are becoming like that horribly dark place because you're not strong for the things of God. That darkness is quenching the light 
that could be yours if you were on fire again. I mean, I know. I can sense even in the room now that some of you are like, that's me. That's me. What am I supposed to do? Well, before we get to that, I want you to notice verse 17. Not the danger of being lukewarm is worse than being cold because lukewarmness tends to deceive us. And in verse 17, the self-deception is looking at our lives and going, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, when all the while, we're not okay, you're not okay. As a lukewarm Christian, you're not okay. You might be thinking things are just fine right now, but they're not. Behind the scenes, not good. Not good at all. And it's only going to catch up with you. And so notice, those that are lukewarm in Laodicea, they say, I am rich. No problems. I've become wealthy. I'm doing just fine. I have need of nothing. And then he says, don't you know that you're wretched? Why are they wretched? Because they're still in their sin. He says, don't, don't you realize that not only are you wretched, but you're miserable? Why are they miserable? Because they're not in, abiding in the Lord. It's a miserable thing to be away from Jesus, not to abide in Him and hang out with Him. He's so good to us. They're poor. They're not rich. You could be a gajillionaire and still be poor towards the Lord. He said, they're poor because they're not tapping into the power of God. He says, not only are you wretched, miserable, poor, but you're blind. You don't even see it. You have people coming to you. You know, haven't you met people like this where you're telling, hey, things aren't going well, man. And they're like, no, I'm okay. I'm all right with the man upstairs. Things are fine with me. And I'm like, no, I'm here to tell you that things aren't fine. You just offended that person. You just hurt that person. I'm telling you right now, things aren't fine. And, and you name the name of Jesus Christ, but you're not even living like a believer. And their response is, oh, things are fine. They're blind. They come to the place where they don't even see it anymore. And then they're, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. But you're not okay. You're wretched. You're miserable. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. You don't even have the righteousness of Jesus covering you. You're exposed. These horrible conditions are ruining your life. And here, here's what happens. He says in verse 16, we skipped it, didn't we? He says, here's what happens. Because you're lukewarm and you're neither cold nor hot, I'm going to hurl you. I'm going to vomit you. I'm going to throw you up. I'm going to heave you. Some translations say, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You know what that speaks of? It speaks of a break in relationship. It speaks of a completing, a completion of, hey, you know what? I can't abide in a person like that. You're not abiding in me. I don't abide in you. There's going to be a distance. There's going to be, for that lukewarm Christian, a sense of being distant from God. Why? Because you've moved away. Vomiting? Well, vomiting is not a pretty picture, right? I believe the Holy Spirit used that for a reason. It's not pretty. It's not pretty to hear at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's not pretty. It's not pretty like my son and I did when we were in California to walk into the, to a restroom in Dodger Stadium and see that a guy that had hot dogs had too much to drink right there on the sink. Yeah, it's not pretty. Exactly. That's what I want. I want you to feel that. It's not pretty. It doesn't smell good. It doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. So why would you settle for lukewarm Christianity? It's not good to be distant from God. It's not good to be a believer but not walking in the Spirit. It's not good to be a believer fulfilling the lust of your flesh. It's not good to be a believer lagging in diligence, no longer fervent. It's not good to be a believer. Lukewarm Christians are usually, that's how backsliding starts. It's not good. He says in verse 18, I counseled for you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. 
that you may be rich, white garments, you may be clothed, the shame of your nakedness. Just come to terms with the reality of what's going on in your life and understand, verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and what? What does your Bible say? Be zealous and repent. Repent. It's a strong word, but it's fitting for those who are complacent. They need to hear this word and the encouragement that follows as well. We'll get into that next time on Abounding Grace as we continue through Romans with Pastor Ed Taylor. Would you like to hear today's message again? You can listen online 24-7 at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go is to download our church app and Grace FM Colorado app. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. You'll find Abounding Grace right there, as well as many other helpful resources. Hey, are you looking for some good summertime reading? If you're like me and like to pull out a good book to read on vacation, we'd like to recommend Love, The More Excellent Way. In the late 1960s, an entire generation was searching for love. Maybe you've been on your own quest to find it. This encouraging and practical book by Chuck Smith will show you what real love is and how to discover it. You'll learn about God's love for us and our love for God in response. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more by calling 877-30-GRACE. We can't thank you enough for your support. God is doing a wonderful work through the radio these days, and you can be a part of it. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE or go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but come back next time when we'll resume Pastor Ed Taylor's study of Romans on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.